Well, good morning, friends, and welcome to Clear Creek. How are you this morning, church? Good. It's so good to see you. Just Every week, it's a joy to be together, and I just want you to know how much our family loves you and what a privilege it is to be a part of this body together. If I haven't had the privilege of meeting you yet, my name is Josh. I'm one of the ministers here, and it is a sweet place that we get to call home here at Clear Creek. And if you're looking for a church, or maybe you're just kicking the tires of faith, man, we would love for you to join us, to be a part of this family, to get to know some good people who are not good because of themselves, but because of what Jesus is doing, and just to kind of share that goodness with you. So do you remember the first time that you were ever asked to play matchmaker? I remember the very first time that someone said, hey, I need your help. It was a friend of mine, his name was Adam, and Adam handed me this card, and on the card had those very familiar words. You've heard them before, maybe you even wrote them down, but it's this question, it's, do you like me? And then, of course, we've always talked about this, but I remember in his very sixth grade handwriting, the two-word option, right? It's yes and what? No, no, it was yes and yes, right? I mean, he was a smart guy. He was just yes and yes. And so he said, hey, there's this girl over here. Would you, would you go and give her this card? I just kind of like to know, but I'm nervous. I said, yeah, sure. So I take it over to this young lady, this girl, she's sixth grade, and I said, hey, my buddy wants to know if you like him. Can you just kind of help me out? And, and by the way, this is the right answer here. This one, not the no one, but the yes one. We just kind of fill that out. And, and she took it. And of course, and you guys have seen this happen before. She didn't just do it quickly. She deliberated. And then she started to write something else. And so then she hands it back. And being the good friend that I am, I'm going to see what it is before I hand it over to my buddy. And there it is in scrawled out handwriting, the landmine, the grenade into everything. It was not yes, it wasn't no, it was what? It was actually, I don't know. It was even worse. It's like, I don't know. And then then she had to ask me before she sent me back, she goes, who is this guy we're talking about again? I'm like, oh no. It's an awkward moment, right? When you put your heart out and someone else doesn't reciprocate. Like if you tell someone I love you and they just kind of go, or you do what I did. I've shared this before. You tell the person that loves you, you say, well, thank you. And you say, oh, that's a bad idea, right? I think if you've ever been in that moment where you've either extended your heart or maybe had someone else extend their heart to you, you know just a little bit what it must have been like in these early morning hours there along the Sea of Galilee where Jesus, now raised from the dead, is sitting over a meal. And across from him is Peter. And Jesus asks Peter, Do you love me? Yes or no? As we pick up the story in John chapter 21, beginning in verse 15, I'm going to invite you to stand this morning as we read God's word. As you're doing that, I've been asked before, why do we stand when we read God's word? And the answer is because God's word is precious to us. And just as when a bride comes down on her wedding day or when the casket is brought in during a funeral, people stand to show honor to the one who is present. We believe God is present with us. So when we read his word, we want to show him honor. Does that make sense? Give me a little head nod if you get it, okay? So reading from the text, this is John 21, verse 15 through 17. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, Son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you, Jesus. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. 
The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. We ask you, Lord, just as you spoke to Peter there over a meal by the Sea of Galilee, that you'll speak to us this morning. Feed our hungry hearts. Give us what we need. And help us to know what now in this world. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all those who agreed said, amen. Grab a seat, please. Now, this is that moment. That awkward moment. They're just enjoying breakfast on the Sea of Galilee. They have eaten the fish that Jesus provided, the bread that Jesus provided, because Jesus is the one who feeds our hungry hearts. And then there's this this moment that happens. Now, they'd been here before, hadn't they? They'd been here literally on the Sea of Galilee before. In fact, it was just on this very shore three years earlier, Jesus had rolled up, seen Peter and his brother Andrew and said, you guys drop your nets and come follow me. They had been here before. How sad. (laughs) Seriously, after three years of being with Jesus, that the disciples would be right back where they were at the beginning. They're right back where they started. The three years seemed to do nothing. It was almost like a great reset happened even back then where what they had grown and known and learned, now they have unlearned and they've got to start all over again. How sad to be in that place. See, they had seen Jesus. He had invited them to follow him and for three years they saw things that no one could have prepared them to see. Can you imagine, by the way, can you imagine if you were invited to walk with someone, you didn't know who he was, never heard his name in a claim that we're familiar with. And as you're following, you now see the sick healed, the hungry fed, the dead raised to life. And you're beginning to think this guy may be something. And then you see him arrested, crucified, buried, and then raised from the dead. Can you imagine what that must have been like? And yet, what does Peter do? (laughs) He goes back fishing. He's back where he had started before Jesus came. And then there's this moment that comes at the end of the breakfast, and you can almost imagine Simon thinking, he hasn't said anything about that whole denying him three times business. Maybe he won't. Maybe we could just sort of start over and he won't say anything about it. And then Jesus asks the question. And guys, this is that moment that you want to get the question right, don't you? It's like, I messed up the first time. I want to get this one right. And so Jesus asks the question. And you notice he says, Simon, do do you see that? Simon. Now, wait a minute. Isn't there another nickname that Jesus had given to Simon? Do you remember the other nickname, church? It's right there in the text. It's not a trick question. Peter, few months earlier, maybe a year earlier, Jesus had asked his followers, who do people say I am? And they're throwing out all types of answers. And then Peter or Simon says, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the chosen one of God. And Jesus almost surprised at this guy's response. is like, wow, like, like, wow, you didn't come up with this on your own, Peter. I know you. That's not a you answer. That's a God giving you answer. And he says, based on your statement, Peter, 
I'm giving you a new nickname. Your new name is not Simon. It's Peter. Petros. That means rock. Or in modern vernacular, rocky. He's calling him something new. And yet here on the Sea of Galilee, he does not call him Petros. He does not call him rock. He does not call him Peter. He calls him Simon. Now, what does Simon mean? It means not rock. Whatever it means, it doesn't mean the rock. It means we're starting over. And then he asks the question. He asks the question, right? Simon, do you love me more than these? Do you love me? Check yes or no. Do you love me? Now, that word love is agape. Everyone say agape. It is the sacrificial love of God. It is the self-sacrificing. I give for you nothing in return. It's I'll pour myself out. I don't expect in return. It's I'll take out the trash without you saying good boy afterward. I'm still trying to get there. It's that kind of love. You pour yourself out for the beloved. Do you agape me? And then he says more than these. Now, who are the these in this question? Maybe Jesus points to the boats. Maybe he says, Simon, there was that day when I called you from the sea and you were in the boats. And I said, come. And you dropped your nets. You left the comfortable life. You left the security of a nine to five. You left the joy of what you think money can buy you. And you followed me. Do you love me more than the boats? And then maybe he said, or Simon, maybe he pointed to the disciples and said, do you love me more than all of them? Like your friends. Do you love me more than your relationships? Do you love me more than the status that comes from being in a group? Do you love me more than being the top dog? Do you love me more than your kids on their ball team getting the home run? Do you love me more? See, I don't know what your more is, but here's what I will tell you. Every one of us has a do you love me more than. And so the more than could be literally anything. It can be anything that is out there that God says, do you love me more than fill in the blank? Do you love me more than this? Do you love me more than your status? Do you love me more than your credentials? And what does Peter say in this moment? What what are you going to say to that? I mean, think about it. Okay, Peter, he's sitting right there as close to Jesus as I am from Betty. We can see one another. I can see her hands. He could see the nail scars in Jesus's hand. He could see the scars on Jesus's feet there through his sandals. He could see the scars on Jesus's forehead where they took the the crown of thorns and jammed it down into his scalp. Do I love you as much as you love me, Jesus? And you want to know what what Simon's answer is? No, no, I don't love you that much. You say, wait a minute, I thought he said he did. No, 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 no. That's because we don't know what the actual language is. See, he actually changes the word. He doesn't use the word that Jesus uses. He doesn't use agape. Jesus says, do you agape me, Peter? Do you put me first more than anything else? And Peter says, Jesus, you know what I did the night before you were betrayed. You know how I have not followed you. You know all things, Jesus. You know... I'm your friend. That, that's the word there, phileo. You know the word Philadelphia, the city of what? Brotherly love. It's a friendship. He's saying, you agape me, but Jesus, I'm your friend. Do I love you the way you love me? No, but I'm your friend. 
And I love what Jesus does here. He doesn't smack Peter. He doesn't say, well, then I can do nothing with you. What does Jesus say? He says, well, then feed my lambs. Now, we don't know how long it was between that first question and the second question. But if you ask Peter, my guess is Peter would have said it felt like an eternity. And then Jesus turns to Peter again. He says, hey, Simon, do you agape me? And Peter once again says, Jesus, you know all things. I'm your friend. And Jesus then once again says, shepherd or take care of my sheep. And then a third time, Jesus says to him, Peter, do you agape me? I beg your pardon. No, he doesn't, does he? See, in this last one, Jesus decides to change the question. He does not say, do you agape me? He says, Peter, Simon, do you phileo me? Am I at least your friend? I am I your friend? And finally, Peter is given a question that he can answer, isn't he? Yes, Jesus, I'm your friend. Feed my sheep. There's this weird thing that's going on here. Peter denied Jesus three times, and now Jesus invites Peter back into relationship. But there is a mismatch. We're back where we began. We're not where we want to be. We're at this place starting over where Peter says, this isn't, clearly I'm not who I thought I was. I'm not the man I hoped I would be. I'm not the one that I purported to be and showed everyone else. This is not my social media feed. This is real life. This isn't my Sunday morning best. This is what I look like in the quiet. This is who I really am. And for the first time, maybe in a long time or maybe ever, Peter sees himself for who he really is. And yet the call is feed my sheep, care for my people, shepherd the flock, continue on. And I love what Jesus is doing here in this moment because he invites him to this. And what's that phrase in John 15, 13, where Jesus says, greater love hath no man than what? He laid down his life for his friend. Am I your friend? Yeah, I can work with that. You aren't where you think you should be, Peter. You aren't where you thought you would be at this point. Okay, I can do something with where you already are. Feed my sheep, care for my sheep, take care of other people. Now, I'm from the South. Anyone else here from the South? Let me see some hands. Anyone else here? Loud and proud, grits and guitars. Yes, anyone? By the way, any of you know what grits are? How many of you like grits? How many of you put butter on your grits? Just show of hands. Oh, yes, yes. How many of you do something a little sweet like syrup on your grits? Anyone? Am I? Okay, there's a few of us here. Very good. I'm from the South. Many of you are from the South. We know what that phrase, fixin' to get ready, means, don't we? It means nothing, right? I'm fixing to get ready. Well, what does that mean? Well, I may be ready. I may not be ready. I may be ready now. I may be ready in a year from now. Look, can we just be real honest? Is it possible that some of us are in the same place today that we were a year ago because we're still fixing to get ready? We told ourselves a year ago, I'm going to follow Jesus, but first I have to fix to get ready. I've got to get a few things cleaned up in my own life. I need to, well, I got to get myself cleaned up. I've got to figure some things out. I've got to let go of certain sins. I've got to adopt certain behaviors. I have certain things I have to do. And the problem is, if we're being honest, some of us are in the exact same place as we were a year ago. Because you and I are coming to the table 
We're sitting with Jesus and we think it's about us cleaning ourselves up, that it's our ability that gets us right with God that changes us to who he has called us to be. And so we're going fishing because we think we failed. And guess what? Yes, we have. But friends, we're in the same place we were a year ago because many of us don't realize that God always does his work right where you are. He is not waiting for you to become something new for him to do something with you today. The best place to start, this is the good news, the best place to start is right where you are. So you find yourself ashamed of what you've done, wondering why you aren't different, or maybe even worse, you are comfortable that nothing has changed in the past year. The good news is that the best place to start is right where you are. Now, that takes courage, doesn't it? It takes courage to admit that Josh is not where Josh needs to be, that this is who I really am. It's not who I wish I were, who I thought I was. It takes courage. The second thing it takes, it takes confession. Now, in the church, confession is one of these almost dirty words. And we assume that confession always means some level of guilt or shame, or you got to feel really, really, really bad about yourself, right? Like, if you're going to confess, you got to feel really, really bad. How bad can you feel? In fact, some of you come to church, and you don't think we've had a good worship experience unless you go away feeling really bad about yourself. Some of you come in and go, oh, that worship was awesome. I feel terrible. It was a great service because you feel bad. That is not what confession is. Confession is not about feeling really bad about yourself. Confession is about being honest with God and yourself with where you are. Here's why honesty is so important. Honesty is when you are able to receive the truth about yourself and the truth of who God is. Where you're able to say, this is what I've done, this is where I've been, this is where I was... A coward when I should have been courageous is where I failed. This is what happened. Because when you are honest, then you can begin to hear the good news that God says, I can work with that. Some of you are terrified of the day that someone is going to come up to you and say, aren't you the guy who did? Or aren't you the woman who did? Or don't you remember when you did that or you said this or you went there? In fact, some of you moved to Chattanooga because you thought no one in this city knew you and you didn't want someone to come up to you pointing their bony little finger in your face, reminding you, and because you're scared of it, you're hiding. The place that God wants you and me to get friends is to say, yes, this is who I was. Yes, this is what I have done. But praise be to God, my merit is not based on my good things. It is on Jesus Christ's work on the cross. And is when you get to the point of honesty saying, this is who I was, that you can then receive the grace of Jesus, the forgiveness of Jesus, the freedom of Jesus. Yes, that's true. Not my proudest moment, but praise be to God that does not determine who I am today. It begins with where you are. Now, how do you know if you really love Jesus? Here's the $10 million question, isn't it? Jesus asks you, do you agape me? How do you respond? How do you even know if you can respond to yes or no? Have you ever thought about that? Like, what is the measure? What is the test for if you love God or you don't love God? 
Well, Jesus gave us the answer three different times in this text, didn't he? And it's real simple. The answer is just look around and see how all the other people you know are doing. How are the people around you faring? If you're married, how is your spouse doing? If you have children, how are they doing? If you have friends, by the way, who in here is grateful for friends? Anyone else? Yeah. How are your friends doing? Now, when I say friends, don't think Facebook, all right? Now, I'm not talking about Facebook. I'm talking about if you were in jail, who are the handful of people you would call if you were in jail? Kind of shrinks the the list a little bit, doesn't it? Some of you are going, uh, I couldn't call them because they'd be in jail with me, right? It's kind of that friendship. Who are those people? How are they doing? And then, then let's take it a little further. How about that real prickly guy in the office? How's he doing because you're around? You know the guy in the office. Don't make me say his name. You know who I'm talking about, right? And by the way, if you don't know who that guy is in the office, you're that guy. How's that person doing? Let me give you some real practical help here. I want this to be tangible. The people around you, are they becoming more like Jesus because they're around a Jesus person? Do you pray for them? Do you ask them, what can I pray about? Do you share with them what you're praying about? Uh, do you share what you're reading or learning about in your own quiet time or in your small group or, small, or, or, or Sunday morning Bible class? Do you share with each other? And then let's talk very practically. Husbands, do you serve your wife without expectation? Wives, do you brag on your husbands in public and don't run them down in public? Parents, do you prioritize your children's faith community over their ball team? I know, stepping on toes, just lift your feet if you don't want them stepped on. And with your friends, when you are around, do they know that they will not receive gossip, but they will receive grace and encouragement? How are the people around you? Feed the sheep, love the sheep, care for the sheep. The way that you know that you're growing more and more and more from phileo to agape is how are the people around you doing? And friends, I understand not all sheep are sweet. Some sheep bite. Did you know that? Not all people are nice, and yet that is the mark. That is the picture. So as I look around, oh, God, am I growing more in love with you? The answer he would say was look around. Are people looking more like me who you are close to and close around? See, I I think so many of us have the wrong idea when it comes to Christian faith. We assume that being a follower of Jesus means that you're baptized and you're full grown from day one, right? How many of you, when you were born, your mom and daddy gave you the checkbook and the keys and said, good luck? And yet, as followers of Jesus, we think that it must be different. Friends, just as in physical life, the spiritual life is the same. You're born as a baby. Yes, you are fully saved, but you're not fully grown. This means you will not be agape from day one. How do you grow from phileo to agape? Well, same way you grew in love with that beautiful young lady or that hairy-legged man. You spent time together. You said, I'm friends. We're friends. We spend time together. You grow because you get to know the person better. You spend time. And over time, friendship becomes something deeper. It becomes love. How do you know people around you are growing and you are going from friend to agape because you are spending time with him? See, some of us wonder and worry that if we're honest with God, he's going to hit us like an abusive parent. But, but 
How many of you remember that day that your child or grandchild or maybe a niece or a nephew walked for the first time? Do you remember that moment? I remember when our kids pulled themselves up, when Stephen pulled himself up on our little two-seat love seat in our old house in Nashville. It was the most incredible moment of our lives. He pulls himself up. And by the way, do you know why children are given giant bobbleheads? It's so that way they'll learn to walk. You say, how does this work? Well, they lean over, the head gets out in front of their body, and the only solution to not face planting is a foot must go in front of the other. Do you see this? God's grace with big heads. And so the kid gets up and he begins to take a step and another step. And maybe he gets one, two, or three, and then he falls. Now, what does every parent do? Every parent goes over, picks the child up, and then smacks him, right? You fool, you didn't get it across the room. You're like, what? No. The crowd, the family goes wild because this little one took their next step. Your heavenly father celebrates where you are and the next step you take. Oh Lord, I'm not agape, I'm phileo. And he says, we can start right where you are. And when you take a wobbly, clumsy step, he doesn't hit you. He celebrates because his little child is walking more like him. Start where you are. We ask what now in every day of life. And his word is start now. The best place to start is right here. Agape, no. Phileo, yes. Start here. At the end of Peter's life, there's this very important moment that happens. He's arrested for his faith there in Rome. And he's about to be executed, being crucified. And he says, I am not worthy to be killed the same way as my savior. And so they turn him upside down and crucified him upside down. Can you imagine the moment he entered glory? And Peter puts out his hands to Jesus to show Jesus his scars and says, yes, I do. Start where you are. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you take us where we are. And we thank you that you love us too much to leave us there. So I pray this morning that you would please receive us where we are. For those this morning who are cold to you, would you warm our hearts? For those who are beginning their journey of faith, as we confess our sin, would you forgive us and affirm to us that the blood of Jesus is greater than our sin? And for those in here who are just exploring the possibility that a God would love them enough to save them, I pray that you would whisper to them, dear child, I want you, that's why I came. But may each one of us, where we are today, take our next step knowing that you celebrate it, you empower it. And through that, we will one day be able to say, yes, Lord, we love you too. It's in Jesus' name, amen.